Hello, and welcome to Cracking Open a Cold Case and Other True Crimes. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Allison, also known as Sugar. Sugar Knight. And today we have a cold case for you guys that has been unsolved for a hundred years. But before then, we're going to do some lighthearted banter. Because that is what we're good at. Yeah. So, Suge, what is your cold one today? It's a Diet Coke from your fridge, Caitlin. Ooh. Thank you for your donation. You are welcome. Thank you for being thankful. You're welcome. <laughs> Caitlin, what's in your cold one? Do I admit what I really am drinking today? Yeah, it's a Bloody Mary. I wish. <laughs> no, I am only having water today because my house is 80 degrees and I'm feeling dehydrated. No one's judging you, Caitlin. Well, but it's not a cold one. It's okay. Like, it doesn't have to contribute to liver damage for it to be a cold one. <sighs> That's true, but... But we should change the definition of that, to be honest, though. Yeah. But, but it's still just water. You're, no? you're still the same person underneath the drink, in Thank my you. opinion. Thank you. I needed that, Shug. You're welcome. Thank you for that validation. I'm just sitting at Caitlin's house, um, overstaying my welcome. You're not. They're, yeah, her and her husband are like, get out so we can make out on the couch and watch what did married people watch on Netflix? Um, we watch a lot of American Ripper it's about H.H. Holmes possibly being Jack the Ripper that's what we're watching lately. Is that on Netflix? No. Oh. It's on the History Channel Okay. On Netflix we watch mm, we don't really have a Netflix and chill show well, you should watch Peaky Blinders, but don't chill. I don't want you to make out to it. It's Ooh, very good. We were going to watch Peaky Blinders, because it's about Scotland Yard, isn't it? Yeah. Or the gangs or something. It's about gangs in um, Birmingham, England in 1920, 1919, something like that. So is it a good watch? Heck yeah, I love Killian Murphy. I had to look it up to find out that you say his name Killian, even though it's with a C. He's scary. You won't think that after you've watched Peaky Blinders. Are you sexually attracted? I no comment. <laughs> okay. But I just find him kind of scary looking. He really I did think he was creepy before the show. Like he um I don't know what's what about him that's so creepy, but it's it's like a like let's hook up and then I'll murder you type of way. Yeah, cuz I feel like in a lot of the things that he's in, he plays the villain. So I kind of associate him with being a villain. Yeah. I remember, though, like, Red Eye, that movie where he's, like, a terrorist on a plane. Yeah. He was still hot in that to me. Like, even though he was bad, yeah. I was like... He was but I think more, that was the point. Yeah. I think he was more attractive then than he is to me now. Well, you'll change your freaking mind. Okay. Did you see Dunkirk? No. Preston went and saw it without me. Oh, Killian's in it. Sorry that your husband is is disloyal. I mean, he saw it with his work for work, so I guess he gets a pass. Yikes. Also, he has a freaking sweet Fe job that they go see movies during the workday. Fellas, is it gay to see a movie with your male co-workers? Does that make you a homosexual? <laughs> there's, there's just, like, people... Yeah, I saw one. A about, meme? Yeah, and it's like, does it make you gay to drink water because a man's body is made of water? 70%. Yeah, or something like that. The answer is yes, but... <laughs> 
Anyway. We're just offending everyone. But that's how we roll. No, we, we're not. We don't think it's even bad to be gay. We're no. Just, we're, look, we're just doing the outlines. We are. But anyway. And this is yeah. great banter. Yeah. It's really flowing today. It is. Because. I wish. What? I was going to say, I wish I had, like, anything interesting to say about my life. I know. I really don't have anything that interesting. Like, all I do is go to work and hang out with Preston. I watched a bunch of Bachelor in Paradise this week, but that's more sad than anything, I was going to watch that at work today. Caitlin's boss better not hear this. Yeah. Because. Yeah, she's. Yeah, okay. Anyway, I guess we can. mm, yeah, I guess we can move Should on to what we're talking about. crack open a cold case? Yes. I keep wanting you to say cold one. I know. It's okay, though. It's You're doing the right thing. But we're going to crack open a cold case. Hell yeah. So this cold case, um, it's it's the Velisca Axe Murders mm-hmm. in Iowa. I was, like, pausing because I was like, should I say the Axe Murder part? Because yeah. that's kind of a spoiler alert. No. People have probably heard of it. Let's just give the people what they want. Give them the facts of this cold case. This dead horse has probably been beat pretty hard anyway. Yeah, it's in a lot of different things. But it's great. That's why we're doing it. We're not afraid, like I've said before, to just cover things that have been done a million times. But they didn't have our commentary or banter, so... So that's what makes us different. That's what makes us Beautiful. And beautiful. beautiful. And beautiful. Better. I'm glad that we're doing podcasts. I don't have to get ready. Yeah. That's another plus. Except we'd still get ready. Me and Caitlin are both wearing ball gowns right now. Well, yeah, and we have a full face of fancy makeup, makeup, and we have eyelashes on. Uh, We both have crystal shoes on like Cinderella. Because we are queens. We are queens of true crime. Yes. How do we get knighted as that for real, though? Um, I think we can just knight ourselves sick then we are that we are the queens of true crime um by cracking open a cold case you, i love how I, much the branding you're really focused on branding today well i'm just trying to think of a cool tagline like we you can't oh <laughs> do you like that i like stopped you yeah, before i started yeah. we'll come up with something we like, will um if you have any suggestions you can write into us or you can tweet at us at at Shug underscore night. S-U-G, not S-U-G-E. Yeah, S-U-G underscore K-N-I-G-H-T. Because Sugar is Insta, or not Instagram. Well, you kind of are Instagram famous as well. No, I'm really not. But you're more Twitter famous, so if you have nice things to say about us, please tweet them at Sugar. By Twitter famous, Caitlin means that I just like sit online all day and at people. So, I mean, it's a a loose definition, but God bless her for saying that. Anyway, I wanted to start this one off with a fun anecdote. So, this place, the Velisca Axe Murders, um, when I was about, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11, I could have been a little bit younger, I was in Yellowstone, Montana, and I watched, uh, I don't really know why I was such a haunted child, I guess, (laughs) but I went there and so it's like where all my cousins are at but instead of like hanging out with my family I went and watched two episodes of the most haunted places on earth from the travel channel. How old were you? I was like I could not have been older than like 10. Really? I can't remember though but like young enough that it was weird. I mean 
Not that it wouldn't be weird if I did it now, but... No. But go on with that story before I interrupted you. Ugh. I'm sorry. Yeah, you should apologize. I'm apologizing. But, so I watched that, and it had the Velisca Axe Murder House on it, and so that really scared me. Then my cousin who came in, who's like, I don't know, she's like one of those progressive, like, hippies. Like, she has a nose piercing, so okay. obviously she's edgy. Yes, yes. And I can remember... I had not yet seen Children of the Corn, but she told me the plot was that the kids all band together and kill all the adults in the city. And, like, that combined with the Travel Channel's Most Haunted Places <laughs> on Earth, I did not sleep at all that night. I was like, no, like, what if these, like, I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but I was so scared. Like, well, that would be, well, even when I first heard about the Velisca Axe murders, I was scared. So I can't imagine a young child having that and the plot of Children of the Corn told to them. In a cabin in West Yellowstone. I won't lie. Or Yellowstone. I, I've since watched Children of the Corn and it's pretty hilarious. It is. It is. But when you were little and you hadn't seen it and just the plot, it's kind of scary. Yeah, like, I don't even... I don't know why. Because she showed up late and was, like, telling us that. Like, some kind of witch. She's yeah. some haunted old lady from a scary movie with a glass eye. Your cousins have a lot of interesting stories. Well, I like it. That's a good attitude, because there's just a lot of them, so there's that's bound true. to be someone that's got a lot of interesting stories. Yeah, I like these stories about your family. That would be so sweet if I could make a, a, a podcast where I just revealed their secrets. We could. No, we couldn't. They'd hear it. That's true. They, I'm so freaking famous, they would find it. They true. They, you just would, kidding. because you're Twitter famous. I'm really not. She is. Like, don't let her fool you. I have, like... Okay, Shug, let's get serious. Let's crack open this cold case. Caitlin's at, like, f five for five for dropping the name of this. Sorry, I'm proud of what we do. F five is a rough guesstimate. Anyway, we're going to do On the Velisca Axe Murders. Um, it was suggested by Danica Holdaway on Twitter.com. Um, I'm pretty sure her at is just at Danica underscore Holdaway. Um, and I asked her to be on this, but she gave me the runaround. Oh, oh, I just got her, her reply two minutes ago. No, I just want to listen to you guys. Okay. Well, thank you, Danica, for this suggestion. And Caitlin's like, what are you talking about? Well, I was a little confused for a minute, but I got, I got it now. And Danica, I would like you to be on a future podcast. I've never met you, but if you're friends with Suge, then you're a friend of mine. She has the same birthday as me. <gasps> what? Same year? No, I oh. don't think so. Um, she has like two kids and they're really cute. Whoa. Same birthday twins. Yeah, she needs to be on a podcast. Yeah. Maybe around your birthday. Yeah, we're gonna go see It by that Stephen <gasps> King Ooh, one. so are we... Actually, Preston and I need to watch the original too. I do too. Invite me over if you're not Netflix and chilling. Um, uh, okay. Let's do it. Does... Can everyone feel how awkward it is we that I invited myself to that? We can go to my parents and lay in the basement. Oh, okay. Because their basement is nice and cozy. That makes me feel better. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. We have We won't been... chill during that. Oh. <laughs> well, I was saying sorry for going, like, getting really sidetracked. But I guess, I guess we're women and our lady brains just do that. Shout out to... The men of this world. Yeah, men can stay on track, but we're but ladies. But we can't, because all we're supposed to do is have babies and be domestic. Uh, whoa, you took it too far, Caitlin. Sorry. I'm offended. Well, 
Sorry. Just joking. Okay. Not sorry. I, I feel like <laughs> I have to say just joking on this a lot. I don't say it in real life. I'm just Should like, people you. won't know. I'm like, the people won't know I'm just doing, I'm just jesting. Well, I think people can tell that we are just two gal pals who have great joking banter. <laughs> exactly. It just flows like a river. Who's going to start singing a song? Just around the river bend? No. But that would be a better choice. Would it be Leon Bridges' River? Does he sing that? I don't know. He's like... He's like... I feel like Leon Bridges is like John Legend if John Legend decided to make, like, good music. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, John Legend is a good singer and piano player, but I just hate what he releases. Yeah. I support that. Anyway, sorry. Sorry I had to start off this cold sorry, case. Sorry, guys. had to start the cold case off with a hot take. Ooh. I like that. Do you have any hot takes you need to get off your chest? Um. Say the movie... Oh. No, I was going to say something too hot. Say it. I was going to say the movie La La Land is bad. I hate that movie too. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought I would like it, so Preston and I started watching it, and I had to turn it off. <gasps> I was like, this sucks. I'm oh. so bored. I didn't know you were going to be even more passionate. Sorry. No offense if you love it. We're not questioning you. It's just no, like... I'm just... It got too hyped, and the whole time I was just like, okay, it's supposed to get good. Yeah, but I just was so bored. And they're just like pretty white people with problems, and I don't know. It just wasn't as revolutionary as people thought. Yeah, like it's... I don't know. And Whatever. Like, overrated. But um, you know what's not overrated? Murder. I don't know that anyone holds it in high regard, but that's probably <laughs> true. Murder. Murder. Okay. We'll stop talking about random stuff. Will we, though? No. The Actually, a sidebar is I was thinking of a tweet uh, the other day. This actually makes me sound like a loser millennial, but I was like, what if, if La La Land had just one 80s pop song, I probably would have liked it because I love 80s pop. And But then I realized that they do when he was, like, playing songs at the party and he was playing 80s music. You seem really riveted by this story. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I just got on and then one of our friends, Macy, is at Walter White's house. Shout out Macy. I don't Gray. know if I should use his their real, real name. name. What a good alias. It's just part of his real name. And so I got confused by that, so I'm sorry. It's okay. I just, yeah. So, I'm just, bottom line, La La Land can't cut it. Sucks. Off cam, or not camera, off the recording, Caitlin just called me the B word. It's a term of endearment. Anyway, so, sorry for all the... No, I'm not sorry. It was it was pretty fun. <laughs> so, the axe murders. Don't ever apologize on this podcast. I'm just... Just let we me are, be me. Just let us be us. Um, We're our own person. Caitlin. Say sorry, go on. Caitlin is married. She can't say she's her own person. Whoa. She's part of Whoa. a unit. Yeah, I, I'm... Yeah. But it's a good unit to be a part of. I do my own thing. I don't really know how marriages work. It's fun. So It's great. Oh, okay, okay. So, I recommend it. Yikes. But, no, anyways, go on. So these axe murders occurred between the evening of June 9th, 1912 and early morning of June 10th, 1912. Shout out to June 9th. That's my anniversary. Oh, a cursed day. 
Just kidding. It probably happened on June 10th because it was like late at night. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I don't know. Caitlyn's anniversary. You know who told her that her her anniversary was on or her wedding day was on 6969? Who was it? It was you. Caitlyn didn't realize that her wedding date was 6-9. I didn't know that it had a sexual connotation. She just doesn't look at the internet all day, so she didn't know. Okay, but <laughs> anyway, we'll get back to the what's at hand. In the town of Villisca in southwestern Iowa, there were six members of a family, the Moore family, and there were two, um, two house guests that were sleeping over. They, so, I'm getting... That's okay. The... I'm getting flustered. They were found bludgeoned in the Moore residence. All eight victims, including six children, had severe head wounds from an axe. So, that's why it's called the Velisca Axe Murders. That was so good. So, the Moore family consisted of Josiah the dad, and Sarah, the mom, and their four children, Herman Montgomery, Mary Catherine, Arthur Boyd, and Paul Vernon. They were an affluent family. They were well-known and well-liked. And then the people that were sleeping over, Ina May, who was eight, who was friends with Catherine, and then Lena Gertrude Stillinger. Oh, they were both Stillingers. Yeah. My bad. They were sisters. Sorry, I'm just freestyling this Girl, one. you got this. Uh, girl power. Okay, so they're sleeping over, which, this, these always drive me nuts, where it's, like, the most, like, just, like, the random, they happen to be at the worst place. At the wrong time. Yeah, they're at the wrong place at the wrong time. Not that it doesn't bother everyone else, I'm just saying, like. No, uh, but, um, so, what had led to the Stillinger girl sleeping over was that the Stillingers and the Moors attended a Presbyterian church and they participated in a children's program which Sarah Moore, the mother, had coordinated and so after the program ended around 9.30 on June 9th, 9.30 p.m., the Moors invited the Stillingers, Stillinger girls to come over to the house and sleep over. Um, all eight people came to the Morris house between 9.45 and 10 p.m. So, yeah, that's why I would guess it's probably later, like, after they fell asleep. Yeah. On the 10th. So your wedding anniversary is still sacred. It's a sacred... 69. Sacred day. Um, of yeah. marriage. Also, this place is still open. Like, if you were happen to be in Villisca, Iowa, for... An exotic vacation. Yes, yes. You could go visit this house. And I mean... And you can sleep over. You can? Yeah. So we need to plan a trip to Villisca, Iowa and do the sleepover. No, I would die. I don't even... Like, sometimes I don't even think ghosts are real. But I mean, that's still just like too Shook. creepy of a... Let's do it. Okay. Let's find a reason to go to Iowa and then take a detour. If we can find like a bodyguard, babe... Okay, Lincoln okay shout to out to any babes that would like to accompany Sugar to Villisca, Iowa and stay in the Villisca Axe Murder House. Please tweet at Sug, S-U-G underscore K-I-K-N-I-G-H-T. <laughs> okay, so the next day on June 10th, Mary Peckham, their neighbor, at, did I say 7 a.m. already? No. 
it's at 7 a.m. She notices that they hadn't come out to do their farming. To do their, yeah, to do their morning chores. Um, Also, like, so I guess Mary Peckham was a real busybody. Well, yeah, at 7 a.m. She's up and out. She's been up for three hours by that time, probably. Um, We're we're throwing shade at Mary. Sorry, Mary. She, Mary knocked on the door. When nobody answered, she tried to open the dis. Open the door. I thought you were going to do like a remix of the word like like, that. And discovered that it was locked. Wait, their house? Yeah, I can't imagine they would lock their house. Well, back in 1912 in a little town in Iowa, I don't think they locked their doors very often. I feel we should like dive into a Mary Peckham more father sex scandal. Actually, I have some more information about her. Should it be, like, to be continued? No. She just... Oh. Uh, Mary let the chickens out and called Josiah Moore's brother, Ross, to come over. Um, because she was concerned that she hadn't seen them and the door was locked and no one answered. Oh. I, th- I thought you were going to say something really saucy, like... Well... hooked up once. Maybe. Um, interesting. What if we just wrote... We're going to just have to hop on... To Tumblr and write some fanfic. Okay. Fan about fiction. the Velisca axe murder. Yeah. Do you want me to keep going about Rossmore? Um. About what he did? Yeah. Would that be a good thing to do? Yeah, because it kind of plays into it. Okay. So, Rossmore knocked on the door and received no answer, so he started yelling at the Moors inside about his brother and about his nieces and nephews to come out to the door. Um. But he had a copy of their house key, so he unlocked the front door. And Mary Peckham stood on the porch while Moore went to the parlor and opened the guest bedroom. And when he opened the bedroom door, he found Ina and Lena Stillinger dead on the bed. So... Wait, when you said... Did you say what Ross Moore did Mm -hmm. when he came? Oh, I thought you meant the, the dad's, like... John Moore. I thought you meant like his job, and I was like, no, sure. Ross is the brother, and Ross was the one that found the two cylinder girls dead in their bed. Okay, on so, the bed. Sorry that I got that mixed up. No, you're okay. I'm a fool. So the police officer, Hank Horton, came and he searched the house and revealed that the entire Moore family had been bludgeoned to death. Yeah, okay, so. Wait, sorry if I just stole your thunder. Oh, Caitlin, why can't I just reveal everything? No, Go, reveal it. Reveal what the murder weapon was. Uh, I don't know what it was. It was an axe. And where was it found? Uh, the guest room, bitch. Where the Stillinger girls were. They were, wait, so they were having a sleepover, but they made them sleep in a separate room. Yeah, so it was I like don't know. A, a, it was like a, I don't know, it's a 1912. 1912, they did things different. Uh, yeah, they made him sleep in the guest room. That sounds like the most boring sleepover. Well, yeah. How are you supposed to talk about babes? Yeah. How are you supposed to prank phone call, paint each other's nails, gossip? Talk about boys. Boys. I mean, I already said that, but what else do you do? Exactly. Um, okay, so we've got Ross at the scene. Mary Peckham at the scene. Our girl Mary. And Hank Horton, the police officer. I'm just, sorry, I'm kind of confused because I'm looking at a different page than Caitlin, and it's actually, like, really theatrical. 
like it has this line, and yet the murders remained unsolved and the murder unpunished. Ooh. I mean, not that I'm knocking how it's written. It's just kind of hard for me to follow. Yeah. Me, a civilian. Yeah. <laughs> a civilian. Just a regular uh, queen of true crime, just getting confused a little bit. Yeah. Um, doctors concluded that the murders had taken place between midnight and 5 a.m., so that would place the murders on June 10th, 1912. Um, there were two cigarettes in the attic, which suggested that the killer or killers patiently waited until the Moore family and the Stillinger girls had fallen asleep. Holy frick, this is like my worst nightmare. Right? Yeah, it, like, when I was a child, I was, like, irrationally scared of, um sleepovers for a while there i'm this is like a true confessions for me yeah sleepovers are it's a very strange concept and i just always felt kind of strange about them as well actually i wasn't scared of them i was scared of them at my friend's houses that were creepy yeah yeah and i didn't know the family super well yeah and so it's kind of like i don't know what's going on here yeah. Um, so the killer just hung out in the attic, probably, which is scary. That's that's what scared me the whole, most about all of this, is, like, that's so creepy that you went to sleep and there was someone upstairs. And you don't know how long they were there. Were they there all day? Had they, had they been there multiple days? Peeing in a bucket? No, really, like, how long was this person there? Does it say anything about peeing in the room? Um, Let's no... <laughs> But I guess they could I have guess, had a bucket and then like left with it. Yeah, or dumped it out. Sorry that this is my main concern, but here we are. This is a real. That's a real thing, though. Yeah, it is. Um, the killer or killers. I'm not sure if one or two, one or more people did this. True. But they be the killing began in the master bedroom. So Josiah and Sarah Moore were the first victims of this axe murder. Josiah received more blows from the axe than any other victim. His face had been cut so deep and so much that his eyes were missing. Yikes. Um, the killer used the blade of the axe on Josiah and he, while using the blunt end on the rest of the victims. So he's the only one that got the axe side. Yeah, and he was the one that received the most and... He, his was the most violent, most gruesome. So that would lead you to believe that it was someone slided against... Yeah, just from that Josiah. little... Josiah. Oh, I called him John earlier. That's fine. John's oh, just Why is everyone... I think John's everyone's named John. That's fine. So it just seems like Josiah was the main target of this... Um, yeah. Of this. The freaking poor Stillinger girls got this like lackluster sleepover yeah and they ended up dead so after josiah and sarah had been killed the killer went into the children's room and bludgeoned herman Catherine, boyd and paul in the head in the same manner as their parents then the killer returned to the master bedroom to inflict more blows on josiah and sarah um they knocked over a shoe that had filled with blood because of how violent and gruesome oh this was and then the killer moved downstairs to the guest bedroom and killed the Stillinger girls. Ina, Ina and Lena? Ina and Lena. I guess I didn't even notice that before because it said her middle name. Yeah. Their middle name, so I was like, I didn't realize they're Ina and Lena. That's a cute detail, I guess. And this scary story. that This is like the basis for like 
all boogeymen. Well, yeah, because this was in 1912. There wasn't that much going on. This is a little teeny town where people are expected to be safe, but this killer was waiting in their attic. Did you just say attic? Attic. Attic. Sorry, not trying to uh, shame you. Sorry, with speech impediment. She, She doesn't really. Maybe. She just claims it when she's... I don't even know. She's just trying to make drama. Right. Um, there's another little tidbit about the Stillingen girls. They think that Lena was the only one awake Yep. when she was murdered. All, all of them were asleep except for Lena. So that's freaking effed up. Yeah, because she was found lying crosswise on the bed and she had a defensive wound on her arm. Her nightgown was also pushed up to her waist and her underwear... underwear was off. Yep, was off and under the bed. So law enforcement thinks that the killer tried to sexually molested her, or they actually did. Gosh, poor Lena. I know. First she gets molested and then bludgeoned to death. I, here's the thing, though, too, is, like, if you were one of the parents and, like, you, would you not wake up if the next person, like, with the daughters and the sons and the two, like, if someone's in the room with you and they start getting bludgeoned to death, wouldn't you be, like, waking up a little? Yeah, and so that's kind of, that makes the case that there were two killers. Because if Josiah and oh. Sarah were the first ones killed, but if Josiah was getting axed, you'd think that Sarah would wake up and notice. Right? Wouldn't you notice that the person next to you was being killed? I like to think so, because I will wake up to anything one time. My Bluetooth speaker was running out of uh, oh, battery, no. and it was, like, on full blast, and it has, like, a man's voice, and it's like, please recharge battery, and it's, <laughs> no. it said it at, like, four in the morning, and I was like, holy shit, I'm That's under siege. Scary. Like, it was so scary, but well, I lived. You did. But I guess I'm, I'm a really deep sleeper, and Preston has night terrors, and he sleepwalks sometimes because of those night terrors. Oh my and, gosh. and sometimes I don't notice him getting out of the bed or waking up. So maybe the Moors were really, like, Sarah Moore was a deep sleeper and she didn't notice Josiah being bludgeoned. But then there's that thing where, like, mothers, they, like, become lighter sleepers because they kind of train themselves to listen for their baby mm-hmm. crying. Like, my mom might have been a normal sleeper at some point in her life, but, like, no, as, she- as long as I've been alive, it's been, like, you can take one step outside, like in the vicinity, and she'll be like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how my mom is, too. So, they... So maybe Sarah was killed first. Or maybe Sarah was just really bad at her maternal instinct of listening closely for her kids in distress. Yeah. Just kidding. Don't want trasher. And you would think that the kids would hear their parents being murdered. I mean, maybe not the Stillinger girls, because they were downstairs in the guest room, but upstairs... I think their rooms were next to each other. That's true. Um, but little kids are pretty deep sleepers as well. So I don't know. I just don't know how nobody woke up. Well, I don't know. Like, what kind of night ter- Let's digress a little. And talk and, about Preston's night terrors. Yeah, what has happened? Um, well, his sister has him as well. And they've had him since they were little. And it's just they have, like, these really intense, real-life realistic dreams and a lot of the times his night terrors are focused on someone's either breaking into the house someone's in the house or he's lost something important 
And so he wakes up in a panic. Like some the other night, he thought that someone was in the house. So he like woke up in this panic. He grabbed a flashlight, went around the rooms, and it's like he's awake, but he's not awake. Cause I could sometimes I wake up and I'll see him like running around the house, but he doesn't register that I'm there. How fast does he run? I mean, decent. It's kind of freaky. At first, it was really scary. Yeah, but now he doesn't have them as often because they're triggered, like, with big changes or stress. And so, like, when we were first married, since that was such a big change, he had them quite a bit. It sounds like your boy is haunted. Right? Zach. Zach. This is a case for you. So, yeah. They're just a scary little thing. Um... Well, thank you, Caitlin. You're welcome. I just wanted to point out, I have a list of everything that has, was at the crime scene. Let's hear it. So, the eight people that had been bludgeoned to death, obviously. And then there was an axe at the scene in the guest room. Oh, I already said that, but can't hurt to repeat it. Okay, so the curtains were drawn on all of the windows in the house, except two, which didn't have curtains. Oh, the, the windows were covered with clothing belonging to the Moors, the two that yeah. didn't have curtains. That's creepy. Yeah, that is. All of the victims' faces were covered with the bedcloths after they were killed. Did you say that no, already? No, I didn't say that. I feel like I'm, like, um, let's see, going senile with the amount of times I've been like, did you already say that? Girl, you just say it, and I will let you know if I've said it. Girl. Girl. Uh, Be confident. A kerosene lamp was found at the foot of the bed of Josiah and Sarah. The chimney was off and the wick had been turned black. The chimney was found under the dresser. What? How do you the chimney, move a chimney? The chimney was under the dresser? I don't know. Maybe it was like a different sort of... We're millennials. We don't know what that is. I don't know. 1912. That's about as old as my house. Caitlin's house is haunted. My house is 100 years old as well. That's... Is it really? Are you mm -hmm. playing? No, it's... Actually, it might be like 95. It was... Night. Actually, 97, because it was built in 1920. Wow. That's crazy. So, there was a kerosene lamp. I'm trying to figure out the deal with the chimney, because I'm yeah, a millennial I'm, idiot and don't know things. I'm confused by that. So, I'm going to just move on from the chimney situation. Yeah. Some answers... Are le best left unknown. Mm -hmm. I just googled 1912 chimneys and it was just like a regular chimney that I thought anyway, so I'm just dumb and we'll accept it. Okay, so a similar lamp was at the foot of the bed of the Stillinger girls and the chimney was also off. Maybe it's like slang for... Like the wick um, or something. Yeah. These... Are these 1912 people? I don't know. They're wingo. So, as we already said, the axe was found in the guest room with the Stillinger girls. It actually belonged to Josiah Moore. The axe? Yeah. And it ha it was bloody, but they had clearly attempted to wipe it off. Uh, the ceilings in the parents' bedroom and the children's room showed gouge marks, apparently made by the upswing of an axe. Oh! I never knew that detail, and that was so creepy. Yeah, like he was... I mean, I know, obviously, it's bad and creepy, but, like, what? Good grief. That would be terrible to be Ross and have found all of them and have to live with that. 
Uh, okay, so a piece of a keychain was found on the floor in the downstairs bedroom. A pan of bloody water was discovered on, on the kitchen table, as well as a plate of uneaten food. So, does this mean that they probably, like, lingered and ate some food and washed yeah. off the blood, probably? Yeah, yeah they probably just held, hung out for a while. Ugh, good grief. Because if it would happened at 2 in the morning... All of the doors were locked. From the inside. The bodies of Lena and Ina... Ina was sleeping closest to the wall with Lena on her right side. A gray coat covered her face. Lena, according... Oh, so Lena was the one that stayed... Or that was awake. The only one I think was awake. Lay as though she had kicked one foot out of her bed sideways with one hand up under the pillow on her right side. Half sideways, not clear over, but just a little. Apparently she had been struck in the head and squirmed down the bed, perhaps one third of the way. So you think she was just woken up by being struck in the head? Yeah. Holy. That's awful. Lena's nightgown was slid... Oh, we already said this part. My bad. My B. There was a blood stain on the inside of her right knee and what the doctors assumed was a defensive wound on her arm. Dr. Lindquist, shout out to the Lindquist of Ogden because they own the whole city, but they're not the same ones. <sighs> Dr. Lindquist, the coroner, reported that a slab of bacon was on the floor in the downstairs bedroom lying near the axe. Weighing nearly two pounds, it was wrapped in what he thought may be a dish towel. A second slab of bacon about the same size was found in the icebox. So we were looking up stuff about this before, and they said that they were using the um, bacon. bacon with the slit in it as a vagina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So he might have been doing sexual things yeah. to that because maybe he was getting a sexual satisfaction from the murders. Sorry that I awkwardly Which, laughed after saying <laughs> okay. the word vagina. Because I know like a lot of serial killers, when they kill, oh, they get okay. like Off. sexual pleasure. So this could be a case of that. This is making me sound really bad, like I'm saying phrases like get off. Sorry! <laughs> um, I'm only in my mid-twenties. Hopefully no... If your kids are listening to this, then you need to... CPS needs to be called. Okay, so also the coroner made note that one of Sarah's shoes, uh, which he found on Josiah's side of the bed, the shoe was found on its side. However, it had blood inside it as well as under it. And it was his assumption that the shoe had been upright when Josiah was first struck. The blood ran off the bed into the shoe. I know we already did this, but this is like a different... He thought the killer later returned to the bed to inflict additional blows and subsequently knocked the shoe over. Oh, sorry, I kind of just reiterated, but whatevs. Uh, okay. Had Sometimes it's kind of weird to think about, like, how people got caught with doing, like, murders back in the day when there's no DNA. Because it'd be way harder to find them. So it's like, oh, yeah. you should have been... You should, if you were just a little more careful, you wouldn't have gotten caught. So that is something random I think about sometimes. I'm like, if it, there's no DNA, then you had to be kind of dumb to get caught. Yeah, and it's just the whole... Not that they shouldn't have. I'm glad they did. Well, yeah, but it's just weird how easily people could kill people back 
in the day and get away with it. I know. Like this, this, the Velasca, the Velisca axe murders, they're unsolved. Somebody murdered eight people and got away with it. More than one person might have killed Yeah, them. yeah, there's, there definitely could be more, but even if there's one or two, those people got away with murdering eight people and six kids. Good gravy. That's, that's my 1912 swear. Good gravy. Good gravy. Um, so do we want to go over the suspects? Yeah. Do you just... We'll just, like, switch off. Okay. An acute team effort. So, one of the main suspect, suspects in the Velisca Axe murders was a state senator named... Oh, crap. Frank Jones. So, Caitlin... I just, almost forgot that she is illiterate. I did. Um... So, Josiah Moore worked for Frank Jones at the Jones store for several years until he opened his own implement company in 1908. So, Josiah Moore opened the same type of business as Frank Jones. And according to Velisca residents, Frank Jones was extremely upset that Moore had left the company and managed to take the very lucrative John Deere franchise with him. So, Josiah Moore's company had John Deere as one of their main clients, and he kind of stole that client from Frank Jones. John Deere is in the middle of another scandal. Oh. I don't know any other John Deere I don't scandals, either, but, but... So, there's also a rumor that Moore had an affair with Frank Jones' daughter-in-law, Donna, which kind of just added fuel to the fire. Though, I don't, like, I don't know if it was his own wife, I'd probably been in the... I probably would have been like, yeah, he totally killed him, but it's like his daughter-in-law. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, there's a detective who accused Frank and his son, Albert, of hiring somebody to kill Josiah Moore, but neither Jones was ever arrested, and both denied that they were connected to the murders. It's become apparent that Josiah Moore was a pimp and a player. Well, yeah. I mean, the more, like, you kind of read about him, I don't want a victim shame, but if he had an affair while he was married to another married person and he sort of stole John Deere from his former employer, I mean, there's some shady things. And I, I mean, don't know if how... you're saying what really happened, I don't think that's victim shame. Yeah. Unless you were like, he deserved it. Yeah, and I'm not saying he did, but... And to make it clear, Caitlin doesn't think anyone should get axe murdered. Ever. But you go back to, like, of Josiah being murdered. He had the most damage. He was the one hit with the blade. It seemed like the purpose of this attack was Josiah Moore. So I can see why Frank Jones was a very... Poor... Well, I mean, poor all the kids. Poor Sarah Moore. She's getting run around on... Yeah. And then gets murdered... Yeah, so I think that could be a very probable person, Frank Jones. Okay, so this other guy, William Blackie Mansfield. Blackie is his nickname, I guess. What a great nickname. Yeah, interesting. So he he's allegedly could have been hired by Frank Jones. Frank Jones. I, I forgot his like That's okay. extremely for- common name. I forgot his name, too. It's fine. He's forgettable. William Mansfield to Blackie of Blue Island, Illinois, was the prime suspect of the Burns Detective Agency of Kansas City and 
Detective James Newton Wilkerson. According to the Wilkerson investigation, the murder of Joe Moore and the other occupants of the Moore home was committed by Mansfield, who was in turn hired by F.F. F. Jones, Frank Jones. F.F. F. is so uh, esteemed of a yeah. title. I wonder what his middle name was. Frank. F word. F Frank, word. Frank Furt Jones. I think it should be the F word Jones. Well, yeah. That would be preferable. Not even Mother F or just the F word. So the lead investigator, um, he thought that this guy, Blackie, was, a, was responsible for the axe murders of his own wife, father-in-law, mother-in-law, and, and his infant child. And his infant child in Blue Island, Illinois, on July 5th, two years after the Villisca murders in 1914. Um, he, Mansfield ha had uh, different aliases. He went by George Worley or Jack Turnbaugh. Um, the lead investigator just said that he was a, he believed he was a cocaine fiend and a serial killer. I mean, obviously I said that before, but yeah, so co the coke. Uh, so, according to Wilkerson's investigations, all the murders were committed in Oh, I jumped the gun. That's okay. The axe murders committed... So, he killed his own family. Then he's also responsible for the axe murders in Paola, Kansas, yeah. four days before the Velisca murders, and the murders of Jenny Peterson and Jenny Miller in Aurora, Colorado. Two Jennies with an IE at the end. So he was just axe murdering anybody, one. everyone, and anyone. So I married an axe murderer. What if he had a, a wife and she like looked at the camera and was like, "So I married an axe murderer." <laughs> That's how we got the movie. But then she was killed. So so sorry. she couldn't live to see it in production. So sorry for that g in poor taste comment. But here we are. Uh, okay, so according to his investigation, all of the murders were committed in precisely the same manner, indicating the same man committed them. Wilkerson stated he could prove that Mansfield was present in each of these places on the night of the murders. In each murder, the victims were hacked to death with an axe, and the mirrors in, in the homes were all covered. Ooh, that's weird. That is really weird. A burning lamp with the chimney off was left at the foot of the bed and a basin in which the murderer washed was found in the kitchen okay how it's feel like it, everything's lined up against this guy yeah in each case the murderer avoided leaving fingerprints by wearing gloves which wilkerson believed was strong evidence that the man was mansfield who knew his fingerprints were on file at the federal military prison at leavenworth holy interesting yeah i feel i've i've heard a ton about this because i've like watched travel channel shows about it i've never like looked into the suspects because i don't know I, as a child i wasn't like i'm gonna find out so wilkerson managed to convince a grand jury to to open an investigation an investigation and in 1916 a mansfield was arrested and brought to montgomery county from kansas city payroll records however provided an alibi that placed mansfield in illinois at the time of the Velisca murders he was released for a lack of evidence and later won a lawsuit he brought against Wilkerson and was awarded $2,225. Er, $2, wow, okay. Uh, Wilkerson believed that the pressure from Jones resulted not only in Mansfield's release, but also the subsequent arrest and trial of Reverend Kelly. So Wilkerson is the one going after him and he's 
thinks that because Frank Jones paid him, he could, he, like, owned the city, so he pressured them to release him. Yeah. Yeah. I was, like, trying to make sense of what I just read. I guess that's what happens when you're a state senator and you decided to kill somebody. You can get off. The, wow. Okay. So it looks like it's kind of almost solved anyway. But, okay, so July 1916, the Montgomery Grand Jury got down to business here today. (laughs) This is, like, from the... Uh, news clipping, I think, because it, it has a a headline, Jury Probing Evidence, Case Against William Mansfield Accused of Velisca Act Murder is Up Now. So, uh, brought here from Kansas City, Kansas, charged with the Velisca Act murders of four years ago, it is expected that there is enough evidence to keep the jury busy till Friday when Mansfield will have his preliminary hearing and be defended by his Kansas City attorney. Our, so this is... Caitlin had to get up to close the... She had to cover the windows with clothes of murdered people. And all the mirrors in my house. Yeah, and put lamps at the end of everyone's feet. With the chimneys off. I figured out what a chimney was. Oh. It's the glass casing of oil lamps. Whoa, this case has been closed. That part, the chimney part. R.H. Thorpe, a restaurant man from Shenandoah, was here today and identified Mansfield as the man he saw the morning after the murder boarding a train at Clarinda. This man said he had walked from Villisca. If this is substantiated, it will break down Mansfield's alibi. Mrs. Vena Tompkins of Marshalltown, well, Vena is a name, is on her way here to testify that she heard three men in the woods plotting the murder of the Moore family a short time before the killings. Oh. Yikes. Interesting. Yes. I wonder who the three men were. Frank Jones, his son, and William Mansfield? Probably. William Mansfield, uh, just to paint a visual, he's got a unibrow. Yeah. And kind of a double chin, but he's not fat. He's, n- we won't, we won't slander him by saying he's no. fat. We'll just say he's probably a murderer. Can, can they hear... The saw behind me, probably. I don't know. There's a saw outside to add to the spook. Because I think my freaking neighbor is a serial killer. He'll have that saw at, like, midnight going off. This is the earliest I've ever heard it. Are you serious? Yes. Yeah, he's probably... This is Disturbia, part two. Except Caitlin's married, so she's not going to have an affair with the neighbor. No. Sorry, we just need some airflow in my 100-year-old house that's hot as hell. Uh... You can close it if you want. No, you're you're fine. I'm sure it just adds to the spooky feeling. Um, okay, so Reverend George Jackson is another, even though... George Kelly. Jo- Sorry. You're good. So even though uh, William Blackie Mansfield uh, seems pretty... He has the most evidence against him, and he seems like he is the actual murderer... There are some other suspects in this case. There's Reverend George Kelly, like Sugar mentioned. He was arrested in 1917. Um, He was a traveling preacher. He and his wife settled in Macedonia, Iowa in 1912 after several years of preaching throughout the Midwest. Um, He was arrested and charged with the murder of one of the victims of the Velisca Axe murders. Kelly was invited to attend the Children's Day exercises at the Presbyterian Church. Oh, what? Wait, oh, it said hold recording button to begin recording. Oh. It was freaking pranking me. Oh. I almost, okay. 
So we good? I think we're good. So, technology, man. Okay, keep going. So he attended that Children's Day thing at the Presbyterian Church on June 9th, 1912 with the Moore family. Um, his presence in Villisca on the night of the murders and his subsequent departure in the early morning of June 10th made him a prime suspect in the case. Um, his supposed confession made a mockery of law enforcement practices at the time, and his confession was withdrawn before his trial began. Kelly's first trial resulted in a hung jury, and he was finally acquitted by the second. According to information presented by Kelly and Tammy Rundle... A hung jury sounds so gross. I know. <laughs> Keisha. <laughs> Kelly moved to Kansas City... Con Connecticut, and finally New York City. The remaining years of his life and his final resting place remained a mystery. Oh. So, the biggest thing against Kelly was that he was at the same place as the Moors the night of June 9th, and then he left in the early morning hours of June 10th. So, it could be a thing of bad timing. Um, it also said that... George Kelly suffered a mental breakdown in his adolescence, and so he hadn't fully recovered from that. So that's kind of another reason why people thought that he was could be the murderer. There's always something, like, when people are serial killers, they always have some weird incident in childhood. Mm-hmm. In case you want uh, a professional opinion from me, a professional criminologist. You are. And there's one more suspect that Sugar is going to talk about. Okay, there's a lot of suspects, but I'll just mention the last one. Caitlin's oh, yeah. Yeah, just kidding. There's a few more. Sorry. Caitlin's we can keep trying going. to uh, stop my shine. She's like... Okay, we're going to keep going. I just thought this one ended. Let's make sure this podcast is actually three hours. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so. so Sugar, tell us about Henry Lee Moore. Girl, I don't know. So, when I first saw this, it says Henry Lee Moore. It made me think of there's another serial killer that was active in, like, the 80s named Henry Lee Lucas. Yeah, and Otto Toolston. Otis Tool? Otis Tool. Did you say Otto Toolston? Yep. That was close. <laughs> Caitlin's, like, Otis Tool's grandma, who can't remember his real name. That's fine. Is it, um, but they were, like, lovers and murderers, uh, and they kidnapped John Walsh's son, and he's the one that started America's Most Wanted. So, there's a little His background. son, Adam. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So, Henry Lee Moore. Sorry that I just, I just love to talk about my boy, John Walsh. There existed a strong possibility that a serial killer was actually at work, and Wilkerson's case against Mansfield actually suggested the same. So, M.W. McClary, of, ooh, is that how you say that? McClary? Uh, yeah. A federal officer assigned to the Velisca case actually announced in May of 1913 that he had solved not only the Velisca murders, but 22 others that had been committed in the Midwest around the same time frame. Probably the same ones for um, Wilkerson. Is that? No. Or Mansfield. Mansfield. Sorry. They have these names. We'll call them Blackie. Yeah. Even though I don't know if that's offensive at the moment, probably. But it's history. Nickname. Yeah. Okay, so so he thought that he'd solved 22. McClary's theory was that Henry Moore, no relation to Josiah Moore, was the serial killer responsible for all the crimes. Oh, that's weird. I didn't even realize that they had the same last name. Yeah. 
I like that this is like us reacting in real time. I know. I like it. You're getting real responses here, people. We're being our most authentic selves. Henry Moore was actually convicted of the murders of his mother and maternal grandmother in Columbia, Missouri. Oh, so he is normal. Just months after the victims, or just months after the murders in Villisca, Moore's family members were killed just as brutally as the victims in Villisca, and his weapon of choice was an axe. Dang. <sighs> There's a lot of axe action happening in the early 1900s yeah. in the Midwest. Uh, so Henry Lee Moore, a little background on him. He was born November 1st, 1874 in Boone County, Missouri. He was the eldest son of Enoch and Georgia Ann Wilson Moore. There were three other sons born of this couple. Henry's father was a farmer and served in the Civil War. His mother was a nurse. Two of Henry's brothers, Tilden, whoa. Huh. Tilden and Turner Moore, as well as his father, passed away before 1910. So he never got a chance to murder them. Henry's remaining brother, Charles, died in 1960 in Stockton, California, so way later. Yeah. Charles left the area prior to the deaths of his mother and grandmother and did not return for the trial. It was unknown whether or not he was aware of the situation. So, that's weird. Do you think you would... I probably wouldn't come back for the, that trial. I'd probably never come back. Yeah, I don't know. In defense of Charles? Yeah. I wouldn't be in defense of Henry at all. No. I don't know. No, I mean, I'm oh, being in yeah, defense yeah, of I Charles for not coming back. I got you, yeah. In case any of the haters were on I understand. On him. Okay, so in 1900, Henry was living with a family in Franklin County, Iowa, and working as a farmhand. It is suspected that Henry may have fathered a child with the young daughter of the farmer. Hot. Henry was sentenced to the Kansas State Reformatory in Hutchinson, Kansas, on a forgery charge and was released on April 11, 1911. The murders in Colorado Springs occurred in September of the same year. Testimony during Henry's child in Henry's trial indicated that he had lived with his mother and grandmother during the winter of 1911 and the summer of 1912. He left to take a job on the railroad. So, Henry, he served 36 years of a life sentence before being paroled by the governor of Missouri in 1949. Dang. Why was the governor was like, it's chill. He he killed his mom and his grandma, but and possibly what the Moors. But he was 82. Oh. The governor commuted his sentence on July 30th, 1956. Henry Moore was 82 years old and had been living at the Salvation Army Center in St. Louis. It is unknown when he died or where he was living at the time. Oh, real helpful. Right. Just that. Um, something also I think about is, like, when people are in jail, or in prison, not jail, and they're, like, super old and dying, do you think that they should be let out early, or, <sighs> I don't know, well, it depends, I don't know, if it's a drug charge, I'm, I don't know, I think if you're murdering families, though, you still deserve to be in jail your whole life, Yeah, it's... or murdering anybody. It's like, I always watch Orange is the New Black. I don't always watch it. That makes it sound like I'm just, it's on loop. So whenever I watch it and they, like, get PO'd that the the officers aren't nice to them and stuff, I mean, I can feel, sorry, I'm getting really deep about Orange is the New Black, but I just, like, I can't decide if it's, like, I should be on the side of the officers and be like, okay, well, you're in prison. Like, yeah. you're not supposed to be there to have a good time or, like, there's no incentive to not go there. 
But at the same time, it's like, do they, what rights do they deserve? Like, yeah. I mean, if I were a guard, it's not like I would be mean to him. <laughs> it's just super deep of me to say. But it is. Like, it's like, but it's probably like the uh, death penalty. Like, I don't, I can't decide, like, I cannot make a bottom line on, like, if I think it's good or not. Because I hear all these stories of people who were, were not guilty after all getting murdered. But then I hear when people who were guilty get murdered and they, like, the victim's family, like, has more healing and feels, you know, like, yeah. feels better. Yeah. And it's like they were bad for society anyway. Yeah. So it's like that kind of thing. I know that was a random tangent, but, hey, yeah. That's okay. That's what we're, this podcast is for. Those tangents. Deep. Deep stuff. We're deep as the ocean. So, okay. He... During the Velisca investigation, other ex-murders, other, other ex-murders also came to light. Just nine months before the crime in Velisca, H.C. Wayne, his wife, a child, and Mrs. A.J. Burnham and her two children were bludgeoned with an axe in Colorado Springs, Colorado. So this is like, um, let's see, filed under Henry, Henry Lee Moore. So I'm guessing that they think he did it. Yeah. It doesn't say he for sure was indicted. Uh, McClary, the the investigator from before, received information about Moore's conviction from his father, who was the warden of the Leavenworth, Kansas Federal Penitentiary. It was believed that Mr. Henry Moore had committed all of the murders. For whatever reason, uh, McClary's announcement went largely ignored, and to our knowledge, Henry Moore was not convicted of any of the other crimes. Interesting. Hmm. In true. So, how many? Oh, like there's like, we can get through all these. I believe in us. There's only three. Yeah. So another suspect was Andy Sawyer, and um, Andy Sawyer was kind of a unaccounted for stranger, and he was also a suspect in the axe murders. He, there was no real evidence linked to him to the crime. However, his name often came up in grand jury testimonies. So according to Thomas Dyer of Burlington, Iowa, a bridge foreman and pile driver for the Bur Burlington Railroad, Andy Sawyer approached his crew in Creston at 6 a.m. on the morning of June 10th. Um, Mr. Sawyer was clean-shaven and wearing a brown suit when he arrived. His shoes were covered in mud and his pants were wet nearly to the knees. He asked for employment and Mr. Dyer needed an extra man. He was given a job on the spot. Mr. Dyer testified that later that evening when the crew hit Fontenelle, Iowa, Mr. Sawyer purchased a newspaper which he went which he went off by himself to read. The newspaper carried a front page account of the Velisca murders and according to Dyer, Sawyer was very much interested in it. Dyer's crew complained that Sawyer slept with his clothes on and was anxious to be by himself. They were also uneasy about the fact that Sawyer slept with his axe and often talked to the Velisca murders and whether or not a killer had been apprehended. He apparently told Dyer personally that he had been in Velisca that Sunday night and had heard, the, heard of the murders and was afraid he may be a suspect, which is why he left and showed up in Creston. Dyer was suspicious and turned him over to the sheriff on June 18, 1912. 
Prior to the sheriff arriving, Dyer testified that he walked up behind Sawyer and he was rubbing his head with both hands and all of a sudden jumped up and said to himself, I will cut your goddamn heads off. At the same time, he made striking motions with the axe and began hitting the piles in front of him. Dyer's son also testified that one day as the crew drew, drove through Villisca, Sawyer told him he would show him where the man that killed the Moore family got out of town. He said that the man that did the job jumped over a manure box, which he pointed out about one and a half blocks away, and then showed where he crossed the railroad track, and there were footprints in the soggy ground north of the embankment. He then said for Dyer's son to look on the other side of the car, and he would show an old tree where he said the murderer stepped in the creek. According to Dyer's son, he looked over and saw such a tree south of the track, about four blocks away. Sawyer, however, was apparently dismissed as a suspect in the case when, he, when it was discovered that he was able to prove he'd been in Oscola, Iowa at the night of the murders. He'd been arrested for vagrancy, and the Oscola sheriff recalled putting him on a train at approximately 11 p.m. that evening. Um, okay, I just want to interject and say there was a movie made of this in 2016 called The Axe Murders of Velisca, and it's a, it's a ghost story based on the house where the axe murders took place. Three outcast teenagers break into the house in search of answers, but discover something far beyond their worst fears. Uh, that was directed by Tony E. Valenzuela. I don't know who that is, but I just wanted to point that out because I didn't know that until now. It's not rated and it doesn't have good scores on IMDb, but in case you wanted to see some fan fiction coming to life. There you go. Is, I like it. Does that count as fan fiction if it's like not just somebody's random blog with like sex stuff in it? Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Uh, Caitlin, you're supposed to be the resident fanfic expert. I know. I know. Oh, so on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie that I'm talking about has got an audience score of 12%, which is abysmal. Dang. It, I, yeah. That's pretty low. Hold on. Can I read some of this? Yeah. Because it's kind of funny. Yeah. 104 years after the fact, two friends who share an interest in ghost hunting, along with Jess, the new girl in school who's already got a reputation, sneak into the house where the infamous bloodbath occurred in hopes of recording paranormal activity. What the trio encounters is far more horrifying than anything they could have imagined. A century after the shocking crime that put Velisca on the map, a supernatural force is waiting to write the next chapter in the home's bloody history. Ooh. So, that's... They're not even paying me to say that, which they should. But... Should we talk about one more suspect? That's yeah. pretty interesting. The other ones aren't that interesting. Yeah, I mean... I feel like most of them after... Blackie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this Joe Ricks was detained on June 15, 1912, and the thing that I found interesting about him was that he was arrested in Monmouth, Illinois, when he stepped off a train wearing shoes that were covered with blood. Um, this man was not recognized as the man seen in Villisca asking for directions to the Moore home the day preceding the murders. That's kind of weird. Wait, it says where... Joe Hicks. Oh. Oh. 
interesting that that would be a note. Yeah. So, I just thought it was interesting that he stepped off her train wearing shoes that were covered with blood. I mean, that can be kind of, there could be a lot of different reasons for that. But it's interesting that it's around the same time that he was considered a suspect. Caitlin, haven't you ever been traveling on public transport and just stepped in a pool of blood? Well, I'm sure there was other things I stepped on that are Worse. just as gross. Yeah. So there are a lot of suspects in this Felisca Axe murder case. Um, it's been cold for 105 years. There's no answers. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of theories going on. But the sad thing about this case is that we probably won't ever know who committed these crimes. So if you want to get a virtual tour, you can go to their website. They have certainly capitalized on this, which is fine. Like, you can go spend the night in um, Lizzie Borden's house, right? Yeah. That's what, I guess that should be on the to-do list if you're spending. If you're spooky like me and Caitlin, you know. So, did you want to know any more info on, like, the family? I, like, like Josiah and Sarah got married on December 6th of 1899. So, 13 years after they got married, they got murdered together. Um, they, they had been a resident for the whole time in Villisca for the 13 years that they were married. So, let's see. Anything else? Oh! You want to know how how big of a silly goose I am? Yeah. <laughs> Do people say that still? They did in 1912, so probably. So, the what I was just reading, I just realized these are their obituaries. I was like, what? Because it just says survivors included. Um, like, or maybe they just... I don't even know. I'm my mind's breaking down right now. <laughs> yeah, it's there's just a lot of weird things going on. Uh, immediate among among the suspects immediately after the murders, uh, Sarah's brother-in-law Lee Van Gilder, the ex-husband of Sarah's sister Mary Van Gilder, had a few previous brushes with law enforcement and was known to be prone to violence. Although he and his wife had divorced, there was apparently enough bad blood between the two of them for. Uh, him to be a suspect, and then he was later cleared. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. There are just are so many suspects in this case, and it's just, it really is heartbreaking that six kids lost their life that night um, in a very brutal way, and that the parents did as well. And okay. it's just sad that they're not going to be able to find the answers. Wait, let me do a quick highlight on my girls Lena and Ina uh, Stillinger, because it has just like a blurb on them. And they're like the odd men out. Well, the daughters of Joseph and Sarah Stillinger, both girls were born in the Stillinger family farm just outside of Villisca. Lena was 12 years old when she was murdered, and from the position of her body, it was concluded that she was the only victim that attempted to fight off her attacker. Dang it! I thought this was going to be like a blurb about how, how cute and full their lives were. But it's just about like if they, some type of. Many experts have also suggested that Lena was a victim of some type of sexual molestation by her killer. So we already know that. And they had seven surviving victims. Or, I mean, <laughs> seven surviving siblings. Dang. But, yeah, so there's not really... They 
Both members of the Presbyterian Church and the Junior Society, they participated with the more children and children's activities in the Presbyterian Church. I think I missed a comma in that sentence. Uh, with the more children in the... Okay, so the night of their murders was when they were doing that pageant. Ina was eight. Uh, the Stillinger sisters are buried side by side in the Velisca Cemetery. That's sad. I know. That's really sad. This one's a downer. It for is. Sure. Um, you, if you want to learn more about the Velisca ghost, the ghost of the Velisca Axe Murder House, you should watch the Ghost Adventures episode on the Velisca Axe Murder House. Very scary. Did you did you recognize this took place in Velisca? Velisca, 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 Iowa, Idaho. Velisca Axe Murders, Velisca. So yeah, look that up. And please send us more recommendations of what you'd like to learn about. Because I like this fan. Yeah. I like this fan requested topic. Yeah, I mean, that's we kind of did it on the fly. That's why it sounded like we were reading off of Wikipedia. But we don't, no shame in our game. Yeah. So, yeah. We will be back next week with a few more cold cases to talk about. So keep subscribing and keep listening. Thank you. We love you. Uh, also, just sorry that we chose the creepiest beginning and ending music for this episode. No shame. It was to get you spooked. Thank you for cracking open a cold case with us.